Good evening. Hello and welcome all. Standing up here tonight before such a wonderful crowd is quite surreal. You see, God has been working through me and getting me to do things I never imagined I would do on my own. So here I am tonight with God taking the lead, and thank goodness he is, because without him, I think I would go hide under that table, and I'd get Corey to come up here and speak in this microphone, because he's a little bit better versed in this than I am. Before I begin, I would like to dedicate my testimony this evening to my husband, Corey Werner, and twin, twin sister, Joni, and mother and father-in-law, Barb and Evan Werner. Evan can't be here tonight. Also to my sisters and to God. Also, keep an eye on Corey. He knows little about what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. Actually, Corey, if you just want to stand up. This is my husband, Corey Werner. My twin sister, Joni, came in from BC today. And my mother-in-law, Barb Werner. I am that girl who nearly lost her life three years ago on May 4th, 2012. You might not know me, but you may have heard of me. I'm Corey Werner's wife. I never thought I would be well known in the community before this near-death experience. But so many people came from out of everywhere, or from out of nowhere, and would come up and ask me if I was a girl who nearly died and was flown out on stars, air ambulance. It might not have been the easiest way to get to know more people in Yorkton, but it happened. I will come back to this near-death event in a little more detail after I share some personal information and history about myself. Some fun facts about me. My twin sister and I were born nine minutes apart. Hard to believe, but we're not identical. I have lived in 33 different homes and three different provinces. I love cheesecake, peanut butter, lint chocolate, and spicy lime peanuts. I was a senior pin in my high school graduating class. Fruit flies drive me crazy. I've had approximately 25 blood transfusions over the course of my life. I have three wonderful children, two parents, two step-parents, one half-sister, three sisters, two stepsisters, and two step-brothers, and lots of cousins. <laughs> I've worked in a jail at the Calgary Remand Center and also was a nurse at the Foothills Hospital in Calgary. I've been at home for the last three years, unwell enough to work, but getting stronger every day. I also have 13 toes. Not really. <laughs> I haven't talked to adults much in the last five years, but I think this should make up for the lost time. My three sisters and I grew up in a non-Christian home. I won't share how old we are, but we were all born in the 70s. My mom was pregnant before the age of 20, and I'm sure because of the lava lamp, bean bag, and mood ring culture of the day, my mom was probably found wearing cut-off blue jean shorts, even through her three pregnancies. Funny thing is, I've also seen pictures of my dad wearing the same shorts in the 70s. I'm sure none of you know what that's all about. I think it's safe to say that my immediate family believed in God, but God lay dormant in their hearts. There was no going to church, worshipping God, or prayer in our day-to-day -day lives. I knew God existed, and I was always curious to learn more about God in the Bible. Thanks to our grandma, who taught us how to pray at night, and looking at only one Bible in our house, which was a children's picture Bible, listening to one record that my mom bought with children's Christian songs, attending Sunday school for three months, I had enough exposure to God to want more of him. Like many children, we were happy, cared for, and loved, 
but we too were exposed to unfortunate conditions. We lived in, well, in a well-functioning, broken home in our elementary years with addiction, hostility, poverty, and divorce, and were raised by my father as a single parent after the age of 11. Our parents loved us dearly, and without a doubt, they did the best that they could with what they had and what they knew. I love you, Mom and Dad. Thank, thankfully, our loving and caring extended family picked up the slack where we were lacking in our home. They were our saving grace. One dad, four teenage girls, no power or water at times, an empty fridge, and bare cupboards. Too often as children and teenagers, we were responsible for our own well-being. Having said this, we didn't know any different, and that must have been just the way it was for us, or had to be for us. Because of not having an upbringing in a Christian home, I still feel somewhat like a new believer today. Even though my love and relationship is very intimate and strong with the Lord, I have often compared my faith to that of a mustard seed. I say this because I still struggle with learning scripture, praying out loud, understanding the stories of the Bible, praying for others, inviting others to the Lord, and referencing scriptures. I know it will get easier as I continue to dedicate my time to this every day. For the first 14 years of my life, there was no foundation established to embrace and celebrate our Lord Jesus. But God had plans for me to accept him into his life, and this happened completely on its own at the age of 15. I was walking home one day from high school, and I stopped in an elementary schoolyard. I was all by myself, and I just dropped to the ground. I didn't know why at the time, but I had a really warm light and energy spread over me, and I felt really safe and I felt like everything was going to be okay. So I huddled to the ground and embraced my knees and put my head down on my chest, and the voice of God came into me, and he said, Jeannie, this is the time you need to ask me into your life. So I did that at that time. It was pretty simple. I said, Lord, I accept you into my heart. I want to be born again and keep you forever with me. That was the first of a few miracles I would like to share with you tonight. Has anyone, ever, has anyone here ever received a miracle? wonderful. When I googled the definition of miracle, this is what I found. A surprising and welcome event that is not explainable by nature or scientific laws, therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. My story has a simple message, but it's complex to say the least. Through my testimony tonight, I hope to achieve a few things. To help us accept that God designed our imperfect lives on purpose to help those who have strayed away to rekindle their love for God, to help those who are lost find their way to God, and to remind us not to judge or stereotype anyone or underestimate their abilities. After the age of 15, it was apparent that I had the love of the Lord in my heart. He prepared me in advance before my adult years with his unconditional love, protection, and forgiveness. Without this armor, I'm sure I would have succumbed to our fallen world with paralyzing fear, resentment, anger, regression, instead of always trying to move forward and strive to do my best, striving to do my best. Through the years, I moved through life with faith, knowing that I would always be cared for and God would never leave me. I had the best insurance package around, God's plan with God's premiums. He was my safeguard. Surprisingly, over the next 20 years, I was not handed the life I so dreamed to have. With a strong will and determination, 
to overcome any obstacle, my life was suddenly full of addiction, mental illness, theft, lies, divorce, hospitalization, and broken bridges. And I could go on and on. In short, it was a very very tough couple of decades. On the outside, it looked like I had it all together. But on the inside, I was desperate for relief from the anguish that I lived in. Despite the hardships and the trials, I managed to complete eight years of secondary education and established very respectful and successful careers as a dental assistant, registered massage therapist, and registered nurse. Amid the darkness, I found some comfort in a part-time relationship with God, family, friends, and nature, and a full-time relationship with coffee. This 20 years of darkness has its own testimony. It is a testimony that lies beneath the one I'm going to share with you tonight. Perhaps it will surface itself some other day in another place and time. Fast forwarding to my 30s, things were getting really serious. Of course, only a handful of people knew the tormented state that I was in, and thankfully for their guidance and the help of many professionals, I experienced periods of remission and complete health and happiness. These periods, more importantly, wouldn't have taken place without the unconditional relationship that God had with me. At times, our relation, at times our relationship was not reciprocal on my part. He cared and had enough faith in me and brought me my second miracle. That miracle allowed me to live almost seven years in remission from my earlier wretched life. But what I faced later in my 30s was bigger, bolder, and stronger than any help could offer. The enemy had me pinned. My addictions and illnesses came back with a vengeance between 2008 and 2009. I forgot about God. My handicaps had a stronghold over me, and I couldn't escape them. It was also in my 30s that I met Corey and moved to Yorkton from Calgary. He was my third miracle. My bold prayers were answered, and Corey was divinely placed into my life. Before Corey, I had a few serious relationships, but with life's problems, it was impossible to keep them strong and everlasting. I desperately sought help from God to meet the man of my dreams. Boom, Corey and I took one look into each other's eyes and bang, our souls and hearts were interlocked. Corey and I's family set us up on a blind date at a family function in Kelowna when we were both on holidays and we were together united. Corey loved and accepted me even after learning of my history. I was transparent with him about my life's life's challenges right from the day I met him. Yes, I was amazed. Who would ever accept a gal like me? But Corey was adamant about importing a girl to Yorkton to fall in love with, and that's what happened. He is the ultimate life partner and father, and he comes from a family who prioritizes loyalty, hard work, and unconditional love. We all have a cross to bear in our lives here on earth. We don't live in heaven. Our life on earth here is far from perfect, and it is all for a reason. It is through our struggles and adversities I believe passion and purpose will permeate from. But it means bearing the load, making the journey, and staying the course. The enemy was bearing down on my cross in a time when I desperately needed my cross to be lightened. One doctor who I truly respected took the time to tell me that my health problems were a cross to bear and I had to plan, a f- plan and find a way to carry this cross and not stumble in the long haul. Just like scripture says in Matthew 10, 38-39, and he, he who does not take a, his cross and follow after me 
is not worthy of me. He, he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. The doctor also, t- also told me that I have funky genes. He knew some of my family members who had similar problems. This was somewhat relieving to me to hear because it answered a lot of my why am I like this questions. On December 7th, 2009, the unthinkable happened. It was not the unthinkable for me because I lived this idea in my head at various times in my life, but this time it became a reality. It became a choice and it became an option. A thought turned into an action. It was the day after having a surprise party for Corey's 30th birthday. I had planned for him. Maybe my boyfriend from years gone by was right. Maybe I was a demon. That Monday afternoon would be the day I would attempt to end my life. It would not be a cry for help. It would not be a scare. Days earlier, I knew well enough to ask for help and sought urgent medical attention from my specialist. He sent me home and said check back with him in two weeks. I guess he thought he wasn't for real. (laughs) Goodbye, world. Goodbye. No more pain. No more sickness. No more scraping myself up off the ground. The majority of my adult life was plagued with things I couldn't control and sin that I tried to control. I didn't know how to manage for one more day. I was exhausted from doing my best and not seeing lasting results. I was giving up on me. I was giving up on God, who I slowly parted with. Psalm 81 captures the essence of where I was at that time. If I enter an eternal hell after this event, what different would that be from the reality I had here on earth? I thought it was time to die, but God didn't think so. This is miracle number four. On that Monday morning, Corey went to work as a typical Monday morning, and I called in sick, and I spent the morning preparing for what was going to happen ahead. I took a whole lot of aspirin to thin my blood, and I swallowed a lot of alcohol, and put some pictures on the bathroom cupboard and a short note. I made eight cuts that day. One was right through an artery and seven veins. I made it to the emergency room that day after Corey found me with the door closed and locked. The emergency room saved me, or the emergency room staff saved me. I was very close to death. I had lost a lot of blood. I had many transfusions. I was in a state of shock, and there was lots of stitching to do. Anyways, I made it okay. I was in ICU for a couple days and then spent a few months in the acute psychiatric ward here in Yorkton. In total, I have spent over 365 days in acute psychiatric wards. The final, this finally ended for me for good after this horrible event in 2009. In short, God eased my pain. I still had my cross to bear, but my will and love for life returned. I directly asked God for help with, a, with extensive treatments, counseling, medications, and all sorts of alternative therapies. He helped pave a path to wellness for me. I'm very happy to report that this degree of illness does not affect my day-to-day life anymore. I pay careful attention to my health, take preventative measures, mild treatments, and lead the most balanced life that I can. My life was spared, and learning to maximize my days here on earth has been an arduous but rewarding task. God is healing me. The cross is lighter these days. After two years of feeling great, 
I established myself back at work as a full-time nurse educator here in the Sunrise Health Region, which covers 13 communities. I was one of four educators who provided education, research, certification, and best practices to all the nurses here in our health region. Corey would be living out his dream and opening up his very own real estate brokerage. We were somewhat workaholics, but lived a fun and active, adventurous life in those couple of years. God was even blessing us with the opportunity to, tra to travel to many different countries together, something we always dreamed of doing. In 2011, we managed to pull off our wedding. We only planned three of them, I think. That was a wonderful and beautiful time in Corey and I's life. Our wedding is a memory of our teamwork, hard work, and dedication to each other, all umbrellaed under God's love. I always knew I wanted to be married with God's blessing, and our pastor Des from Prairie Christian Har—sorry, Har <laughs> Prairie Harvest Christian Life Center was able to officiate our service at the Springside Arena in 2011, July 2nd. This was the first wedding at the arena, so we made um, history in Springside that year. Our wedding would help us meld with Prairie Harvest family and church who have been alongside with us through many ups and downs of life. God showed up in another tremendous way for Corey and I in, our, in this fifth miracle. Corey and I are living proof that prayers do get answered. When we decided to start trying for a family, we held each other's hands and asked the Lord for twins. We had no idea what we were asking for at that time <laughs> and now re realize that ignorance is bliss. But what would happen next would be one of the most incredible miracles of our lives. We got twins. And we were only about two or three weeks pregnant and the ultrasound showed two babies. And I nearly fell off the examination table. Corey nearly fainted. And we were thrilled to know that we were carrying two babies. And probably some of you know here, but our little girls came two months early and their lives in itself are a miracle. I was in Regina one day and at seven months pregnant, uh, I went into labor. Corey rushed to Regina. Chloe, our first little girl, only two and a half pounds at her lightest, was born vaginally, and Kendall came six hours later by C-section. We didn't get to hold the girls until they were six days old. They were so tiny. They needed a lot of life support in the first days. They were ventilated, CPAPs, heart monitors, tube feeds, pick lines, and it goes on and on. After the 10th day we were in Regina, I was staying at the hostel so I could stay with the girls, and Corey was going back and forth from Regina to Yorkton to uphold his business. I got really, really sick, and I ended up getting septic. And if anybody knows about sepsis, it can take your life in a matter of hours. There was a bit of placenta left in my uterus, and I needed to be rushed to the OR um, urgently to get that removed. And what was supposed to be a 20 or 30 minute procedure turned into a three or four hour procedure. And my poor Corey, sitting in the waiting room, not knowing what was happening with his wife and his poor little babes in the NICU. What a man. Anyways, I ended up being okay. I was admitted to the hospital. Quite a few blood transfusions and lots of treatment for infection. We were in the hospital in Regina with our babies at the NICU for two months. And at the end of that two months, we were happy to invite Des from Prairie Harvest again to help bless our family, pray over our girls to make sure that we were gonna get home safe and that we could all get on with our lives in a strong way. Thank you for that. After getting back on our feet again, 
settling into raising our little family and stepping into our careers full swing, we figured it'd be better. We figured it'd be better have one more child before we get rid of the infant stuff and before I get any older. Yeah, Corey's quite a bit younger than me. <laughs> the girls just turned one year old, by the way, which I thought would mean they were all grown up. And Corey and I agreed that one more child would round out our family perfectly. Indeed, William has completed our perfect family. We couldn't imagine life without him. In fact, it was three years ago last week that he came into our lives on May 4th. This little man came a little bit early, but only by two weeks. Miracle number six. My, star, my star's story. So a Saturday night, Corey and I went to bed at 10 o'clock, as we always did. And Corey said, thank goodness you didn't have that baby today. And I just said, oh, the day's not over yet. And we went to bed. <laughs> 11 o'clock, I wake up and go to the bathroom, and I thought I was just getting sick. But what I ended up having was a 20-minute contraction. And Corey, again, comes to the bathroom and says, what is wrong? And we both looked at each other, and we said 911 at the same time. So we called the ambulance. Off I go to the hospital, Corey driving behind. And after one more 20-minute contraction, just so unusual, William was born. And in under an hour, we had a newborn boy ready to love. We were thrilled. We got to hold our baby right after he was born. We didn't get to say bye to the twins that night, so our neighbor across the street came and looked on them, and so did Corey's mom and dad. So after William was born, um, they found that I was bleeding, which is quite normal after having a baby. It happens from time to time. The but the bleeding that I was having in the delivering room was not being contained, and I needed to get some urgent attention in the OR. So off I went to the OR, and Corey was told that things didn't look very good. So they tried a few different modalities to control the bleeding. They weren't successful, and we needed, or I needed to have an emergency hysterectomy. After my hysterectomy, I was still bleeding. So they packed my lower abdomen and then took me to the ICU for a resuscitation. My life was nearly taken after the emergency C-section, or sorry, hysterectomy. The next seven hours in the ICU here in Yorkton would be the most critical hours of my life. They weren't able to get a central line into my neck to get IV access for really urgent fluid and blood administration. My heart needed support, and after having an emergency hysterectomy, I couldn't have any pain medications because my vital signs were plummeting very, very, very low. I was losing blood, needing fluids desperately, the lab was running out of blood, and I had, an, I had about 10 units of blood in total in Yorkton. And you and I have about 10 to 12 units of blood in us, in our bodies. I don't remember much during that time in the ICU, but I knew I was slipping away. The, t the staff continued to say to me, hang in there, Jeannie, stay with us. And I, I fear that without those prompts, I probably would have slipped away. In the fifth and sixth hour of the ICU, things were looking grave. Corey called Des from Prairie Harvest. Corey felt he owed this to me if I was going to die. He needed to bring Des in. God was the greatest gift in my life, and Corey knew that. And he knew to do right by me, this needed to happen. He wanted Des to be there as a representation from God and to bring hope as well, and maybe a miraculous healing. Barb and Evan were called, my mother and father-in-law. When Barb and Evan arrived, which I don't recall, I remember hearing them, but I wasn't opening my eyes, Barb asked the staff 
for William to be brought down so I could say goodbye to him, and I got to hold him. A surgeon was called into the ICU to make a surgical cut down by my ankle to gain better venous access and get some fluids and blood running more urgently. This cut was my lifeline. We were able to turn up the blood and the fluids and hopefully be on my way to better health. STARS was then called, and I was on transport for 40 minutes in flight, and I call this my flight with the angels. Corey was driving en route to Regina with his dad after not sleeping all night. I got to the medical ICU in Regina, and I made the flight. Nobody knew if I would. Corey found me at the medical ICU two hours later, and he saw life in my body and life in my eyes, and he was so pleased. They were able to get a central line, resuscitate me with fluid, more blood, and I was able to be pain-free at that time. I could finally have some pain medication. After two or three days in the um, medical ICU, I was off to the maternity ward in Regina just to recover. William came to me when he was three days old, and for the first three days of his life, he was in Yorkton with no mom or dad caring for him around the clock. Family and friends took care of William in the hospital and our girls at home too, who we didn't get to say bye to. I had to have another caring adult with me at all times in the hospital because I was not able or allowed to carry William, but I could hold him and love him. That was a tough week. If anybody saw me, and I think Joni could vouch for this and Barb, I did look like the Michelin man. (laughs) I was so loaded up with fluids, but at least I was saved. Again, Corey, our superman, made many trips between Yorkton and Regina, running his business, checking in on our twins at home, and being there for William and I in Regina. We got to come home on Mother's Day three years ago, and the five of us were united together, just as we were meant to be. The last three years have been spent trying to figure out a pain syndrome that has no name or no no known treatment. I guess needing almost 20 units of blood and being in acute pain that was uncontrolled for seven hours, my body was insulted traumatically. This last three years, I've been taking narcotics, having spinal injections, multiple treatments in Regina, but hopefully soon this, this will all end, but we don't really know for sure. The first year after this trauma, I laid on the couch and laid in bed, tending to a newborn and a family the best I could. I just couldn't move. I was paralyzed with pain. The twins were almost two years old, and I had medical orders to not lift William or my girls for three months. Now the pain is still present and remains a mystery, but it is very well managed, I'm pleased to say. My endurance and strength and stamina are slowly returning. The most amazing part of this traumatic story, though, has to do with the power of prayer. That morning when Des came in to pray over me at the ICU, representing Prairie Harvest Church, he went back to church that Sunday morning and changed his whole church church service to a prayer vigil. And, I mean, we have to give them give them a hand of applause for taking the onus of doing this. I know without that power of prayer that day, I may not be standing here today. I'm forever humbled and grateful. I was able to stop daily scheduled narcotics. One second. It's right here. No more scheduled narcotics. This past week I was able to stop, and now I'm just taking narcotics as needed. And I was cleaning out a bathroom cupboard yesterday and realized... 
realized for about a year I was wearing these. And I don't need them anymore. <laughs> I'm sure you all know what those are, hospital briefs. Anyways, just on the lighter side of things. In the next couple months, I'm over going to be having some intensive investigations just to make sure we've exhausted every avenue and treatment possible and haven't missed any diagnosis. Blood seems to be God's medium for reassuring me that I'm one of his children. I have done a lot of bleeding over the years. I have scars to show for the life I've been spared. I have smaller scars that are visible to all. I cannot hide them. My largest scar is a hidden scar and a daily reminder of the Christ, uh, sorry, reminder that the blood of Christ lives within me every moment of every day of my life. I have one small horizontal scar on my lower abdomen and one very large vertical scar on my lower abdomen, and it's a cross. God placed that there for me to look at every day. What a special gift. In summary, I would just like to reiterate that we all have a unique God stamp purpose in our lives. You might not know it now, but if you do ask the Lord into your life, he will speak to you, protect you, and bring you passion and purpose that to your life that you are intended to lead. You are, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 14, 16. I am also reminded of how much is in our control and how much is out of our control. It is crucial that we find the midpoint between these two controls and surrender. This is where God lives. I stand here before you today because God told, told me to be here. He has a deliberate purpose for me. Before I was even conceived, his purpose for me would be monumental in his eyes, just as your purpose would be monumental in his eyes. Whether large or small, your purpose is intended and intentional and will make an impact. I obviously wasn't supposed to die, and thank goodness for that. This comes through loud and clear. Standing at this podium tonight was not my plan. I surely didn't dream this up on my own. As Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. God saved me. He placed me here and made me a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice to help you not underestimate the unconditional love that he has for us. Through my trials and wrongdoings, I am a representation of man in this fallen world and reflect the flesh of humans. I have done wrong and I have sinned. I am so gracious the Lord called me to his sorry, I'm so gracious the Lord called me to his heart at the age of 15 because he knew I would mess up this crazy life of mine at times and need protection in his plan for me. His unconditional love is for all of us equally. God is great. God is good. It is him, it is to him that we give all the glory. He is without a doubt without a doubt, a non-punishing God. His forgiveness is for an eternity, as is his mercy and, an, and his endless grace. No matter how big or little your faith, even the faith the size of a mustard seed, miracles, abilities, and blessings are unveiled. I'm not sure where God will lead me next. 
Maybe sharing my testimonies will be part of God's plan. All I know is I will serve the Lord, however that may be. John 6.27 says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Heaven knows I have done, or sorry, heaven knows I have the most wonderful little family. My health is improving. We have tons of family and friends who really show their true colors in times of adversity and in routine life. And we live in a really great community where good things happen. Thank you, Corey, Joni, my sisters, my mother and father-in-law, Barb and Evan, family, friends, Prairie Harvest, family, church, and church, and God above for helping me reach this crossroads in my journey of life. Thank you, Canada, Saskatchewan, and Yorkton for having life-saving health care and saving my life multiple times and safeguarding our twins. This testimony has so little to do with me, so, but so much more to do with all of us who struggle to find our way. To God be the glory. God bless you all. Thank you, Randy. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. Randy King, Full Gospel Business Men's Fellowship in Yorkton, for asking me to share my testimony this evening.